every child I've had has like shown me another level of how selfish I can be and how, you know, just lazy even I can be, you know, all about my comfort rather than serving the family. Reform dads, where all things are from dads, through dads, and to dads. I'm your man, Dusty Marshall. I'm a Christian husband, father, hip hop artist, and co founder of a regular for Christ Ministries, which is a family and ministry dedicated to giving hope and inspiring to choose life. To my right, as always, is my man, Andrew High School T. Soncrant. That's me. <laughs> and our guest for this week is Matthew the Hunter. 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 Yes. Yes. The man's man. So how you guys doing? How was your week good, this week? Good, yeah, it's been a busy week. Yeah, just baby stuff. That's yeah, right. but work, work and baby. That's pretty, that's it. All right, work you got a work. newborn, right? Yeah, so, yep. okay. month old. Woo! So it's just Woo! a beautiful juggling act for sure. What's her name? Georgia. Georgia Summer. Georgia right. Summer. Yeah. Did you guys do anything with your families this week? You guys go anywhere or do anything? Not, not that I can remember. Typically, you guys hear it on the Refor- on Reformed Dads, if you would, on the first episode. We do the Mormon outreach every week, so I did that with the family this morning, and that was really good. So Nice, nice. Yeah, we went to, um, it was like uh, Celebrate Mesa, and it was like a bunch of uh, food trucks and like bounce houses and obstacle courses, and then they had a, a big screen out there for a movie, so the kids, we went and saw like uh, The Secret Life of Pets too, and oh, nice. we were sitting out of field. It was actually cool for once in, in Phoenix, yeah. like it started to cool down finally, so we had a blanket and hung out, and the kids did obstacle courses and stuff, so that was Dang. cool. Yeah. Yeah, I've been enjoying this weather. The um, We got to go out to the river yesterday. Oh, wow. So we were just at the Salt River for like 45 minutes or something. Oh, that's okay. Nice. Did yeah. you float in the river at all? No, we didn't get in the river. We just went to go and, and grab some. Uh, well, that's what we were grabbing stuff for the show. That's oh, right. Yeah. The, okay. friction, the friction fire kit and yes. the uh, greens. Ooh, you guys are in for a treat. That's what <laughs> Yeah, sure. make sure you uh, check out to the end on this one. You'll want to see something cool. Yes. But um, we're coming to a segment in, in the show uh, that's called... Who is my daddy and what does he do? Uh, where we want to get to know you. Just tell us a little bit about what you do and who you are and your family. So yeah. why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, well, um, Matthew, the Hunter Hunter. Mm-hmm. I work at uh, Big Five Sporting Goods. Okay. Uh, I'm an assistant manager. And uh, I have beautiful wife, Joy, who is producer at Apologia Studios, which I'm sure most of you know. Um and then we just had little baby Georgia like five weeks ago now. It's crazy. And so, yeah, I'm a full-time dad in a, yeah, sporting goods. So Sporting goods. Yeah. So uh, one-month-old baby Georgia, mm-hmm. Joey works for Apologia Studios. That's a, a ministry run out of our church right. where they produce content engaging uh, the Colts um, with Coltish. Yep, Coltish uh, is one of those. Sheologians is the show that Joy <laughs> yeah, uh, runs mm-hmm. with Summer and uh, 
they also produce content and abortion now and and uh, yep. really awesome stuff so check out apologia studios if you don't know about them already they've taught us so much we love our church we yes. love that ministry amen um so baby georgia one month old so what is it like being like a new dad and adjusting to that <sighs> man yeah it's definitely hard i mean um mm. the pregnancy was was pretty uh it was, it had some difficult times, uh, for sure. And then now it's, it's, well, I'm back to work. Right. So joy is mostly, um, taking care of her most of the time. And then when I get home, I kind of give her a break, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, um, joy's been really taken. She's, she's really had to step up, um, as far as the baby, because during the middle of the night, she's the one that usually wakes up because she feeds the baby. Right. You know what I mean? So I'm just kind of taking care of her. Um, but she's a, she's a good wife, man. She's a, yeah, really. It's, it's just been, you know, sleep deprivation. Everyone, everyone knows who's watching because it's reformed dads. So I mean, sleep deprivation and just all of us kind of, you know, being cranky more often and just on edge and, kind of arguing more often and mm, all right. dealing with all that but it's been definitely a sanctifying process that's so, it right yeah. there sanctifying yeah yep. so making you more like christ that sums up the past month sanctification and sleep deprivation <laughs> it really, hand yeah. in hand that'd be a cool song name i'm putting it together yeah. right now <laughs> so yeah man um you know that that's a good segue into our segment uh, best and worst. Yeah. yeah, I'd love to hear. You know, I know you're a Newton dad, but you can tell us about uh, you became a dad at conception. Yes. So let's talk yeah. about that. So why don't you tell us your best and worst moment uh, as a dad? Um, best first. Best first. The best moment as a dad, I think, because I used to not want kids at all. Hmm. And I used to always say, you know, never, I'm never going to have kids. And then the first time I went to the mill, I met uh, Elvis. Okay. And I started talking to Elvis about how um, kids are a blessing and we don't want them because we're selfish, ultimately. Yeah. And um, and then everyone used to say, oh, once you have your own kids, it'll be different. And I was like, yeah, not me. Like, no, I'm good. <laughs> I'm not having them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm just, that's it. Like, that's I'm good for have... them, not for me. Yeah. And so, uh, but man, it's been, I've been an apologia for like two years now. And my whole heart has changed about kids and their value and, you know, realizing my selfishness. But, man, it's so true. When you have your own baby, it's, like, just different. So I, the best moment was in the hospital just looking down at her. I had a, a moment where I started to cry, which is, like, wow. mm-hmm. for me, a big deal, you know, because <laughs> I'm not, like, a super emotional person or, you know. Uh, and then just driving home, I think something hit me when I had my wife in the car and my little baby in the car, and wow. I'm driving a car for the first time. Mm-hmm. It's just like, whoa. Like, I feel like I, I you know, matured five years overnight. Like, it's, it's like, just like... When, you did. Yeah, you did. Yeah. And when you drive home, it becomes real. Like, it's like, okay, you're responsible now. Right. Here yeah. you go. Yeah. Yeah. Figure it out. Yeah, it's <laughs> you know? different when you have a wife because you're supposed to lead her, but she also can take care of herself. Right. Sure. So it's, yeah, it's just way, it's just a whole different dynamic. So that was the best moment for sure. Okay. The worst moment, the worst moment was probably in the first three months of the pregnancy. Okay. Um, because Joy um, was super sick, like dog sick. I mean, just, it was brutal for three months. Um, she couldn't even function. And, um, Joy's the type of person, 
she's a good wife. I'm going to shout out to Joy on this for sure. Because she is the type of person that, like, makes me all my food. And she'll, like, pack my lunch for work. Mm. And um, she just jumped right into the, the you know, her... Um, I don't want to say her role. Right. I mean, but she likes, she like do my laundry. And I mean, immediately when we got married, she didn't even, it wasn't even like a burden to her. She just started doing all those things. Mm -hmm. They're happy to do it. Right. And so my whole thing was like, well, okay, you know, I'm glad you do this stuff, but I don't want you to ever feel like you have to. Right. You know what I mean? And, uh, but when she got super sick, all those things stopped happening. Mm. Sure. And so I realized very quick, like, how selfish I was. You know what I mean? Like, that's what it hit me is because she was sick and then I was having a hard... I would get home and, like, be having a hard time because I had to take okay. care of her. So you're like, why can't you do right. this stuff? And then you realize, like, man, how selfish am I? Like, I have a sick wife and I'm over here, like, mm, having a hard time mm. when I'm not even sick. Like, I just have to do, like, go back to the doing, normal like, stuff. normal stuff normal. that I <laughs> yeah, should right. be doing. And it's like, man, like, I really Dang. just learned how much of a jerk I was. Wow, man. And that was really difficult. Um yeah, so that that was probably the worst three he who, months. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and sees the bad thing in themselves. Yeah, for real. Seriously. So that, that was true. a that was big. Just seeing, you know, all my uh, sin bubble to the surface when I, my fleshly needs weren't getting met. You know. Yes. It's so, huge, bro. Yeah. I talk about that in one of my songs. You were I every. Uh, getting married, I had a certain sanctification process early on in my marriage. I got to see all of my selfishness, and then things started to smooth out. And then I had my first child, and I see another level of my selfishness, yeah. you know. And then my second daughter comes, and I see another le- level. Like every child I've had has like shown me another level of how selfish I right. can be, and how you know just lazy even I can be. Right. You know, yeah. all about my comfort rather than serving the family so sanctifying say the least yeah sure that's beautiful dude so uh we've come to a point where i want to go into the rapid five questions we have rapid five questions for you these uh these questions (laughs) i put together today and uh just off the cusp go ahead and give us your answer okay you ready yeah all right first question question number one how old is your beard? Oh, my beard. It's not old. It's not very old. It yeah. grows fast. It's a... Uh, Looks pretty grown, though. I don't know. I think it must be a year old because... That's pretty old for beard age, kind of. I guess, I guess it is older it's than like, I... Well, yeah. It's like a teenage beard. Because I could never really grow a thick beard. But like Joy... Like mine. So I would just cut it. Yeah, kind of like... Yeah, because I kind of got like the thinnies over here. Yeah. And so... Um, but Joy was like, I don't want you to shave when we got married. Okay. Yeah. So she I guess wanted, she, she wanted a burly. Over. She wanted a burly girl. man. Yeah. No so, spirit right. beards. You need a real beard. And so I've had to go like get it. Cut. <laughs> I mean, apologia. You understand like. <laughs> yeah. We have a beard culture. Beard yeah. nation. Be fun of your girl if you shave. Okay. Yeah. So. I've been I've been shamed publicly once. All right. Yeah, publicly. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. on stage, right? Yeah. yeah. They've called. The they've called and don't come to Apologia with a beard and then come the next week with a shaved face because it's just they say, not going to be say, good. What happened to you? Yeah. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> All right. of men, man. That's yeah. the one we're going to hold on to. <laughs> Question two. If you were dropped in the middle of the desert and could only take three items, what would they be? Okay. Um, I would take... A five-gallon uh, thing of water would probably be my first item. Okay. That's good. Yep. Um, and 
<sighs> I'd probably take some type of like sleeping bag. Sleeping bag? Maybe like a sleeping warm- bag. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Depending on, I guess, the time of year. Okay. And then I would have to take my uh, trusty machete. Machete? Yeah, I'd have to take my machete. Machete. Yeah. All right. Okay. <laughs> I probably wouldn't last too long, but. I mean, we'll see. You could do a lot of things with. Five gallons of water, you got water at least. Yeah. All right. Question three. What is the weirdest thing you've ever eaten? (laughs) Slugs. Um, Guano. I ate a grasshopper. Yeah, actually, me and Josh ate a worm one. We ate a little worm. We split it in half. (laughs) I made him get the butt in. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Because we were just like, we've got to do this. So just like an earthworm? No, it was some type of little like caterpillar worm we found. Oh, okay. Yeah. So why did you have to do it just to do it? We would have we had to do it. We were like we're out here in the woods. We we came here and it's time to eat worms. Do some wood stuff. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. I just wanted to have say we did it, even though it was like a tiny little worm and we split it and it was like nothing. Nature spaghetti. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nature spaghetti. All right. All right. Question four: Who would win in a fight, Survivor Man or Man versus Wild? Mm. Dude, man versus wild, man. He's like a trained... Yeah, he's a trained killer, bro. He's a trained killer. Yeah. All right. Okay. Who would win in a fight? Although he fakes things on the show sometimes, he's, he's, he's like real, an actual trained killer. Yeah. yeah. That's okay. just the show. Yeah. All right. Oof. And the final question is, if you could take one survival specialist with you into the wilderness, who would it be? One survival specialist? Yes. That would be my friend, Jeremy the Swamp Man Goulet. And, uh, yeah, he, that's a cool name. I love that name. He's a beast. Yeah. He, uh, he's actually in the national guard right now and he's, uh, about to do his training for special forces. Okay. But, uh, Jeremy, the swamp man can go out into the swamp, like brutal swamp, you know, tropical sun, mosquitoes, and anyone else that would be suffering and just having the worst time of. You know, he wouldn't even, he'd be like, he wouldn't even notice. But yeah, to him, it's not that he's, it's almost like he's past the level of toughness because to him, it's like not even tough. It's like, like a sanctuary to him. It makes him feel better. Yeah. You'll just be like, I mean, getting ripped apart by mosquitoes, just sun beating down on you. You're dripping sweat and you look over at him and he's just like, huh? And you're like, what? I mean, this guy can go, I've seen this guy can go out with just a machete and he can have a shelter built and a fire started with no, like, lighter. Wow. Yeah. All right. In a swamp. Wow. His so name one up. more time. Jeremy the Swamp Man Goulet. And I'm going to have him watch this. Awesome. All right. What yeah. up, Jeremy? What up, Jeremy? <laughs> the Swamp Man. So people might uh, be wondering why I'm asking you all of these, like, wilderness questions. If you were in the desert, what would you bring? And and the reason is uh, you're into survival, right? Mm-hmm. You're into into yeah. wilderness survival. You have experience in that. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got into that? Yeah. Yeah, when uh, Dusty asked me the question to, tell, to um, tell you guys how I got into it, I hate telling that story because... <laughs> I, I love survival skills and being out in the woods, but the reason I got into it was like maybe, I don't know, seven years ago, or maybe longer than that, but uh, it was a mixture of uh, bad eschatology and conspiracy theories is why I first <laughs> looked okay. into survival skills. That makes sense. So I grew up in a home, like most uh, Christians in America, where you're watching like Left Behind, and you're, I'm being told that you know the rapture could happen any day. 
and the apocalypse. I mean, it's like a, almost a normal thing. You grow up and you're with all your sixth grade friends. And that you're was like, me, bro. Yeah, and you're yeah. like, dude, like what happens when, you know, this and this and the mark of the beast and all this stuff. And so I wasn't really even a Christian. Like I wasn't living like a Christian for sure when I was 17. Hmm. But, you know, my I had heard that especially from like my grandpa and stuff. And I watched Left Behind. It was just like a known thing that, yeah. you know, we could be, and then, and then you mix that with like conspiracy theories on the internet. Cause when you're 17 and you're bored <laughs> and you just start Googling and YouTube and stuff, like you think you hear like the dollar is going to crash and you're like, I don't know what that means, yeah. but planet like, X Nibiru yeah. is coming into orbit. Like all like FEMA camps. One world and, currency. Right. All yeah. this. Exactly. And so I'm like, and so I'm like, yo, if the market of the beast is, is we're going to have to get it to buy or sell in the market and out, then like, yeah, like, well, what am I going to eat? And so I was like, you know, if I need to start learning survival skills, the first thing I need to learn is about edible plants because to me, you know, that's what would take the longest to learn. And uh, so funny, funny enough, that's how I started. I wanted to go out and isolate myself from the world and uh, live in the woods, which ultimately I did and found out that it sucks and it's like not <laughs> terrible at all. Yeah. yeah. And so, and so, uh, okay. but then now, um, I've grown up a lot, uh, over the years and I just enjoy the wilderness, enjoy being out in the woods. Um, I enjoy learning survival skills, um, just because it's just good stuff to know, you sure. know, skills are being lost, I think in today's uh, modern world. Sure. Yeah. So that's, that's why I keep doing it. You know? Okay. Yeah. I, I like that because what w- what you hear typically for someone who has that like a uh, premillennial dispensationalist eschatology of the end times, like the rapture, whether it be uh, pre-tribulation, mid-trib or post-tribulation for the rapture, uh, typically they tend to suck themselves away from culture. Right. And they sure. want to go off, like, let's say in the woods and that's exactly what you did. Right. And then you realize that's not for me. But now your mindset's changed. And now you're even reforming survival to go with like an actual biblical mandate. Right. Which is cool, man. And I, I can't wait to hear you speak about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so you mentioned you lived in the wilderness for a while. Yeah. So tell us about that. Like tell us about where you went, how, what yeah. you were doing. Well, I was thinking about that this morning. And I think... If I was trying to think of all, if I put all the nights that I've slept like in a tent or on the ground or just under a tarp in the woods, um, I think it would equal something like six months maybe Okay. Wow. of my adult life. That's a what long was, time. What, for, yeah, what was the longest like consistent you were at? Like you just went out in the woods yeah. and you were staying there and you lived like that. What was like about like two months. Two months. Two yeah. Months. Okay. yeah. So me and Josh uh, Haskins went uh, to Montana and we were there in the, we were living in the national forest in the winter in a little, uh, camper. Okay. Yeah. So a friend of ours pulled up a camper to a trailhead and it was just sitting in some guy's yard. So he wasn't using it. So he let us stay in there in the national forest. So we were there in that camper for like four months. Um, and during that time, the snow got, you know, in some places like uh, places like waist high. Wow. So we're, we're starting fires and we're building shelters and stuff. And, you know, we're sleeping in the camper, uh, but we're in the woods like all day pretty much. Right. And then once the snow melted uh, around uh, May, and this would have been uh, 20, oh gosh, I'm going to tell you the wrong number. It was like five years, five or six years ago. Okay. Okay. And so, um, so once the snow melted, we got into tents. And so we were living in tents for like two months, maybe, wow, maybe okay. more, a little bit more than that. And so we had got some friends, uh, cause we were still going to town every once in a while, but yeah. our ma- we weren't really staying in town. Like we okay. would stay like every once in a while, like 
be like, oh, crash on the couch or whatever, you know. But is that where you got food was in town, or did you yeah. guys also forage or we hunt? did both? And okay. When it first, then the snow first melted. There's not a lot of stuff out. Okay. And most of the uh, game is like in the valley still. It hasn't started coming back up into the mountains. But we got dropped. We ended up getting dropped off. We were planning on going over into Idaho. Okay. But the the uh, mountains weren't plowed yet, so we got dropped off in like the furthest place you could go. Um, before the uh, the pass, basically the mountain pass. Okay. So we got dropped off there, and then we were staying there just in tents, and there's like no one out there at a campground. Okay. And so um, crazy. We did poach. We did because we were not trying to like, we weren't really concerned with following laws. So we did poach <laughs> out there, which I'm ashamed to say. Yeah. But uh, so yeah, we killed we killed deer out there and uh, grouse. And we like did, hunting with a, a gun. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, and then um, and uh, we foraged for food. Okay. And what we would do is we we had heavy duty um, contractor trash bags. Okay. That we would uh, when we quartered the game out, we'd put it all in a trash bag, wrap it in a trash bag, and then we double wrap it. And in between the two trash bags, we'd put a heavy stone, and we'd sink it, tie it off uh, to a tree, and sink it in the stream nice. because okay. up there in Montana, it stays. Uh, good it stays cool ice cold year round wow from the snow okay so, so it's like you had a little fridge yeah so we had a little fridge where our, our game would last like quite a while cool. dang dude that's yeah. awesome yeah that's it was pre- it was pretty intense and then uh we finally did get a pick they came back like a few weeks later and took us over the pass into idaho and then from there we were like i mean it's the bitterroot national forest has places in it that are like the furthest away from civilization you can pretty much go in the lower 48 like it's like wow. way out there so we were not even close to a um like a town at all you okay. know or, or really even a major road you know was so you were getting fun. all your food at that time just where you were at um it was a mixture we we had brought like dried food with us okay so we never lived 100 percent off, off the, the land, land. Sure. yeah we we lived off deer meat and um and then we had we drank like wild teas and wild ate wild vegetables from time to time. Okay. And uh, then we were mostly just living off like uh, just wheat flour cakes. So we would just add water and just cook it over the fire. But like every meal, you know, we had to start a fire. Sure. And if it was raining that day, then we yeah. had to start a fire anyway. Oh, okay. Okay. And uh, and yeah, so just. So living out there. How did, how did you get money? Like, say you had to go to town to buy something. Like, did you guys just already have money with you, or did you have to work weird odd jobs or barter? Or, well, I, I showed up with money because okay. I had planned for the trip for a while. Ah. So I showed up with a little bit of money, and then w- once we started to run out, we like went to a food bank. But this was before. Once we were like deep in the woods, like we were out there for like probably a good month. Josh, every time I talk to Josh, he says it was like way longer, and mm. I'm, I say it was way shorter. Concept of time, though. Yeah, you know, yeah I mean, nowhere can we feel weren't like really, time. yeah, we weren't really keeping time. But uh, once we were out there, then it was just what we had with us. So dried food and, and a lot of deer meat. Like every day we would eat. We, would, I mean, it was kind of the life. Right. And man, we made that stuff stretch too. Okay. We were eating that stuff because we weren't like we had dried, we had dried deer meat, but we weren't, weren't like. Like, I didn't know then what I know now about, like, how to preserve meat. So we were just, we really made it stretch. I remember one time (laughs) we go, I go to get the deer meat and, like, part of it's, like, blue. Like, it's got this stuff growing. Like, and I'm like, today's the, I mean, we had ate it the day before. And it was like, today's the last day. Today's the last day. (laughs) It ain't going anymore. You never got sick? No, man. You know, I don't feel like you just don't get sick out in the woods. Wow, praise God. I mean, history tells us you do, but I've never been sick, you know, because there's just no, like germs from other people 
Mm. And you're eating so healthy, you know? Mm. Exercise. the blue meat? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know dude, how that happened. I mean, I remember it did start to taste a little funky near, near the end, but we were like, ah, it's fine, you know? Yeah. And then, yeah, then the next day. <laughs> so give us like a cool... Crazy, dude. Give us like a cool story of like you guys being out in the wilderness, just like something that stands out to you from that. Yeah. Besides um, the blue meat. Well, when Josh... One time Josh killed a deer... I think it was it's a funny story because we were playing Yahtzee. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we were in the middle of Yahtzee. The, we were in the middle of the woods at a picnic table, like at, at the end of you know, basically at the end of the road. Uh, there's no one out there, and we're just playing Yahtzee and just, you know. And then I look up and and uh, maybe like five or six deer had just hopped, dropped down into the the flat where we were at, yeah. to probably to go get water. And I just, like, was like, stop, bro, stop. And so he, like, army crawled back to his tent, grabs his <laughs> AR-15, which only Josh Haskins would bring an AR-15 yeah. <laughs> into the Montana wilderness. I don't, I don't even get know get him. who does that. And then, uh, again, we're, you know, we're not abiding by any laws, for sure, because sure. we were, like, professing Christians, but not really. Right. And so he just starts blasting off rounds and, sure enough, kills a deer. Nice. Yes. And so... Anytime you kill a deer, though, it's like it's heavy. you think it's like all cool until you like walk up to a giant dead animal and you have like, and then you oh, realize okay, like, now the work begins. Yeah, now the work begins. So, but um, heavy, but I the fun the fun stories that I planned to tell was uh, at the survival school that I attended. So I went to a, a survival school. I was there for three weeks, and we were uh, most of the time sleeping in shel- like leaf huts, basically like shelters. Okay. Um, and so I did a lot of stuff there. Uh, they taught us how to skin game, which I already knew how to do. Okay. But it was interesting because um, the uh, one of the instructors had, was uh, was uh, flaking off stone chips, so they were like the he was just getting a rock and and chipping them off little pieces. Yeah. Okay. So it was like these little chips that were like razor sharp. So everyone uh-huh. skinned. They had they had <laughs> they had bought a goat, and they were laughing like this goat has a name. Like the lady who sold it to us was like her pet. But it's going to die today. It's going to yeah. die. Yeah. And so we were all kind of cracking up about that. So then they shot the goat and everyone uh, skinned it with uh, stone wow. chips. Yeah, wow. like little sharp stone pieces of stone. So that was interesting. And Definitely. Yeah, we did a lot of stuff there. So huh. how did you learn... Uh, your wilderness survival skills. You said you just you took a class. Is that what I took it was? A, yeah, I took a course. Um, I learned a lot of stuff there for sure. Uh, I started learning about plants. Okay. So that was my main area of study, um, and it still is one of my main area of studies. Um, so for that, I found a couple good websites, um, YouTube videos, Eat the Weeds. Okay. Dot com. Um, and I just started buying a lot of books. Okay. And so the first book I bought was for the Rocky Mountains before I went to Montana. Okay. And uh, then I just started just slowly but surely eating plants. I think I had studied for quite a few months before I ever tried anything. (laughs) And then I just, yeah, and then I just, like, now I have, like, 40 books on plants. Okay. Um, And mostly through books and videos. For survival, I mean, you can, there's a lot of videos, but you kind of just have to go out and do it. You got to go out and do it. Yeah, and so I have some good books on it. Um, but just being out in the woods a lot has, and you just decide like today I'm going to go do this, you know? And so that's mostly how I've been able to okay. get by, but a lot of books I learned, I learned from books a lot. It's, okay. you know, so, so I'm excited. You brought us some actual items yeah. some traps, some different things from wilderness survival. You brought some stuff in to show us. Mm-hmm. Can you show us some sure. of your stuff? 
Yeah, let me grab some of these tools here. Whew. Nice. So first I'll just talk about these uh, throw sticks. Okay. Throw sticks. Throw sticks. Yeah, so I wouldn't call these survival tools necessarily. These these are for people who who lived uh, in the wilderness. So as okay. past survival into, you know, wilderness living and bushcraft. Okay. So this is called a rabbit stick or a throw stick. And um, traditionally they've been used on, they've been found on every continent uh, except Antarctica. And okay. people have used them to hunt. Um, here in the Southwest they were used and in Southern California, they were used to hunt mostly rabbits and small game. Okay. Um, and then um, in uh, the Middle East, they were used to hunt waterfowl. So okay. ducks and stuff like that. In, in flocks, they'd throw them. So you so, throw them? Yeah, so you throw them. And it's like a, they call them non-returning boomerangs. I was going to say, it looks like a boomerang. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, well, actually, the original boomerangs were made in um, Australia right. by okay. the Aboriginal people. And this was the precursor. So the boomerangs, they, they think, boomerangs are more like a toy. You know, uh, they have been used to, to hunt. Because um, if it hits something, it doesn't come back. Well, right. these, these don't come back. Right. Well, even like a regular boomerang, if it hits something, it ain't coming right. back. Right. right. And the, the actual boomerang that comes back has been used um, for hunting. They'll throw them in like flocks of like ah. like giant bats. I've seen them with oh, the, okay. the huge bats. Makes them fly out. Or birds. Yeah. And so it's more like a shotgun effect. So you just throw ah. it and hope you. But these were actually used, believe it or not, um, there's a lot of historical records of these being used to hunt. But even a kangaroo. Really? Yeah, and let me, let me check that yeah, out. I you would that bad boy too. Yeah, you wouldn't think so. Um, they would break the legs of the kangaroo. And wow. when I started first making these, and I was reading in the historical records of how far they flew, and the type of game they could take, I didn't really believe it because my sticks can't do that. Right. You right. Know? But um, over hundreds of years, they were perfected, and you can go on YouTube and look up throw sticks. Okay. And there's a guy out of California that makes them, and you can start to, once you see some of his videos, you'll start to believe Understand. that they could actually take game. I mean, um, it's, it looks like it'd be really painful to get hit by that. Yeah, it, it's a, I've never taken game with them. For me, it's more of uh, just a craft. Okay. Because I actually cut all of these down. Oh, you made these? Yeah, oh, I made all of these. Okay, yeah. nice. So these these three were actually straight trees. Wow, okay. Yeah, they were, they were growing perfectly straight. And I harvested them specifically for the purpose of making these. Is there a specific wood or tree that you want to make those out of, or is it just? Yeah, there's a few. This okay. one's this one's made of mulberry. Okay. It's a little light. Um, I check that that brings a whole other level to all around the mulberry bush. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm gonna throw this stick at the weasel. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Dude, that's awesome, bro. And so these are, and then these are oak. Okay. Right and I actually used a heat bending method so okay. it's a very primitive method so you actually you take the uh, tree that you've just cut and you heat it up over the fire okay um, for maybe like 30 minutes and then you will stick one end uh, lodge it in something like maybe a rock and then have something you can bend it over so then I actually wow. the heat allows me to bend it and that's why you see it's kind of it kind of broke because sure. it, it came out a little yeah did you seal it with anything, or you just shaved it down? No, I didn't seal it with anything. Okay. You you do want to um, believe it or not, you want to. They say you want to harvest it during a full moon, which sounds what in the world? I know it sounds it sounds weird. But I, I've read multiple <laughs> records of people harvesting in a full moon, and it has to do with 
the draw of the moon on the water. So it right. draws the water into the tree in a certain way. Okay. So that I think the way it works is that there's more water in the tr- in the wood. Right. So that it when it loses that water, um, it doesn't crack. Okay. Yeah. And so at first I was like, what? But I read multiple records of people saying the same thing from different areas. And there was never any like weird religious reason tied right. to it. Sure. Like there is with some native stuff. Yeah. You just so notice folklore. that it just works better. Yeah. And so um, I think a couple of these were harvested, but none of them have really uh, cracked. This is an old, old one I made uh, in Arizona out of Hackberry. Like shotgun. Hackberry. <laughs> yeah. And then I made my... Uh, that thing right yeah, there. Yeah, that looks intense. Club. And this was growing yeah. naturally. It was just growing like on a tree just like this. Oh, okay. And I was driving. I was leaving the forest and I was driving and I stopped. And I, <laughs> you I, saw that bad I boy. saw it and I was like, that looks so cool. <laughs> let, me, let me check. So this is almost like a like, what is it, like an Indian type war like club. Like a war club. Or, yeah, I used to just throw it, but it, I stopped using it because um, it's not too accurate. It's like a, something out of a video game. I got my level 10 mace right here. <laughs> got a plus three to dexterity. Yeah, yeah so these these are... Uh, yeah, that would that'd be bad. They should kill somebody. For sure. For sure, dude. Oh, for yeah, definitely. I mean, they've been used in war. There's definitely lots of records of them being used in war. But, um, yeah, I don't hunt with them. I just I think it's a, kind of a fun sport to throw them. Okay. And you learn a lot about woodworking when you're making them and different types of uh, wood and uh, different types of trees and how just the different properties of wood. So okay. it's an important skill um, to know woodworking. Yeah, And it's just sure. fun, you know, sure. making something with your hands. It's pretty awesome, dude. Yeah. Especially and, something that you can hunt with. Right, right, which I've tried to hunt with them. I've tossed it at a couple of rabbits, but... The people, the people who were hunting with these, they, you know, straight. they grew up with them. Yeah. Know? They started when they were a kid, probably. Their grandpa taught them how to make a stick. And so you can definitely be very successful hunting small game with these, like rabbits. Um, and there's records of that. There's, oh, yeah. I mean, there's photos, you know, of people it. holding rabbits up and stuff. But uh, it's definitely something that takes, like, practice continually. Like, you can't just, you know, practice on the weekend every once in a while. Like, you got to sure. do it every day. So. Yeah. Yeah, those those weren't like soft sticks. Those were yeah. really hard. Should we do traps? Uh, yeah. show, me, show us your your blades. Oh, right. Yeah, so here I have three of my main bushcraft tools. And uh, I have the knife. It's the Mora brand, Moroctiv. And this is just a regular bushcraft knife. Um, most, most of the knives, they're called survival knives that you would buy in the box store or would be... Uh, they're more like Rambo. They're like knives that either look cool right. or they're like to kill somebody. I don't know, but they're not for woodworking, which is okay. what most like when I think of like wilderness survival, you want a knife that works wood. So um, that's what this is, a Mora. So M-O-R-A, if you ever want to get a good knife to go camping, it's super sturdy, tough. And then it actually has the uh, sparker on it. Oh, nice. So I can, I'm not going to yeah. do it right now, but... Uh, to spark so I always have this one with me and I've had it for a couple years now and just put it through the worst I've beat it you know and uh, through some of the hardest woods and it just won't break and you're gonna show us how to apply that woodwork in a little bit what's this right here a sharpening blitz yeah it sharpens it it works I probably wouldn't buy it again with the the sharpening stone on it but the knife itself is the best you can get for the price I would say 
Now, is this also good for like filleting fish and stuff? No, not really. It's a different grind. So that's made okay. mostly for woodworking. Okay. Um, skinning animals. Uh, I mean, I've done it. I've skinned animals with this uh, plenty of times, but you really want to uh, have like a certain knife for that. Okay. Yeah. So it'd be different. And then I have my um, Silky Saw. So Silky is a good brand and it's busted, broken at the tip. Um, you oh, had wow. Jesse on. Yes. So this broke when I was uh, cutting pieces uh, for Jesse's wedding of the, oh. the arch, the arch that he had yeah, yeah, yeah. at his oh, wedding. Okay. You so carved this, it up. Yeah, so this broke when uh, when I was uh, out cutting those pieces for that arch for Jesse's wedding. So okay, that's a funny story. A little handsaw. Yeah, and so this thing can just just tear through wood. Hold um, that up for us. Hold that up for you. Yeah, yeah. and it's, it is broken at the end, but um, it's a it's a really good brand, and I definitely recommend it. The Silky brand. It's a professional woodcutters. Uh, okay. Like tree trimmers and stuff, use it. Can I? Uh, yeah, sure. Man, press it in. That's how you. Yeah, and I've cut down tons of trees with those things, and it only broke because I was uh, not just, properly. Yeah, I wasn't. It, I wasn't properly using it. So usually they're not going to break that easy. All right. And then I have a Ooh. machete. Machete. Yeah, it's machete. a condor. Okay. Machete, and this is the um, same type of steel. It's a 1095 carbon steel that's used in this knife. Okay. Um, and I have I bought this with a specific purpose. So it's got the orange handle, yeah. So that I can't lose it. Uh huh. <laughs> okay. um, uh -huh. It's it's kind of short, but it's just long enough to be able to cut down like maybe like wrist sized trees without too much problem. Wow. Um, okay. But it's also short enough to where uh, I can use it as a knife as well. So I can carve. And oh, carving okay. with it. Wow. Nice. Um, if it was a little longer, like your hand will get more tired than if you're using a knife. Yeah. Okay. And so this is kind of like the perfect weight. Um, again, with most uh, stuff you buy in like your typical uh, box store or sporting goods store, is the machetes are like very low quality. And the grind, again, it's the, the same grind that's on the knife as that Scandinavian edge. So the grind, uh, you won't really find this in most sporting goods stores with that grind. So a lot of the machetes are just so your kids can play with it, sure. I guess, when you're camping. But this is like oh, a... wow. Yeah, Condor is a pretty good brand. I did some research, and I've loved it since I've had it. It's been working really good for me. So Nice. And then wow. you brought some uh, traps. Yeah, show, yeah we'll, right? we'll check the traps out. All right. We'll put the old towel down just in case, because these can be pretty intense. Yeah. So what kind of trap uh, is this? So this is a 220 uh, conibear trap. And this is used to capture uh, animals like uh, possums or raccoons, size okay. animals. I heard their motto was, animals go in, they don't come out. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, we got the springs here on the side, and okay. they, these compress, and then these jaws will actually come up. So it'll look kind of like this when it's set, but the jaws will come up. That is okay. insane. So it's sit, sitting on its side? Is that how yeah, it Yeah, so it'll be sitting like like with the jaws facing up. So okay. you, this, would, this would go in front of a, like an animal hole or den, oh, okay. or, in a, or on a trail okay. to where it, it kind of is forced to go through. Okay. And then the, this is the trigger. Ooh. So this little, it's called a dog, which I'll show you how it works with the smaller one. So this sits on top of the trigger 
and these springs would be compressed and these jaws put together so when it goes okay. through it's it's called a body grip style trap it's a kill trap yeah so it'll it'll it uh, kills it kills, kills game yeah. it doesn't just trap them and it does a good job they're pretty i would say they're pretty dangerous um i'm not going to set this one up today but you have like certain tools you can use to set it um don't use your hand bare hands if you don't have to yeah i've that's i've used like a, just a piece of rope to compress the springs and it always makes me nervous every yeah. time. Especially yeah. if it's a kill trap, that can break your bones. Oh, it can definitely break your bones. It's pretty dangerous, especially if you're alone and you get trapped in one. Um, you better know what you're doing because you're going to have a pretty bad day. <laughs> <laughs> and then here's the, uh, the small version of that. It's the 110 Conor Bear. Okay. So I'll show you how it works real quick. This is a, this is called the dog. Okay. So the dog's going to flip on top of this trigger. And whenever it... Whenever it uh, the trigger moves, you'll see a fire. And so here's the spring. So I'm just gonna line these both up and I'm gonna compress this spring here with my hand. And then these are these are uh, gonna be compressed together. So now it's pretty much set. And I'm gonna move the, see how that spring, if that pops and lets go, it's gonna pop my hand pretty bad. So I'm gonna put the dog on here on the trigger. You gotta be careful. Don't let that dog bite you. Yeah, so hair of the dog. Yeah. So now it's it's uh I'm gonna put my hand over here and move quickly. Hold it in place. Yeah. The dog. And so now this would be something to trap you like muskrats with. Okay. Uh, maybe some fat squirrels or a rabbit or something like that. And so I'll show you how this works. You would place it over uh, on a trail or over the hole. Okay. And uh, when the animal comes through, it's gonna fire that. Push that trigger, which right, well, let's get it pointed. Yeah. yeah, pointed that way, just so your close up can see it. So it's gonna push this trigger, which pops this little dog off, which is holding it in place, and it's gonna snap. Dang, dude. Yeah, and it's uh, it would not be fun to get stuck in this thing, even your your hand stuck in it. My towel's getting it. Yeah, <laughs> even the towel's crying. So that's the uh, okay. 110 Conor Bear. Okay. Yep. Bear. And then we have here foothold traps. So this Woo! Is, yeah, this is a foothold trap. This is a... Uh, that's the trap you see on like Looney Tunes and stuff. Right. Yeah, so this is a number three Sleepy Creek. And we'll talk about... Um, a lot of people, a lot of people really don't like this trap. Um, because it catches the foot of the animal. Right. It doesn't kill okay. it. Okay. So I've heard, I've actually heard it said that the um, conor bear traps were created by the animal rights, uh, like an animal rights organization. Okay. So that it's an instant kill and the animal doesn't have to suffer. So with trapping and hunting and any anything like that, like animal suffering is kind of part of oh, absolutely. what you're signing up for. Yeah. But these actually don't. Um, make the animal suffer as much as a lot of people think because a lot of people think that they have the jaws on like the teeth you know what I mean yeah. you see like that you see in cartoons that has right. the teeth but right. those have been illegal it just holds holds right. it obviously right. it's really bad, painful right um, and they do they do even have ones that ha will have like a little space in between um, and then they'll have ones with like rubber to help the animal but a lot of times like animals will just get trapped and then they'll just sit still Okay. And they won't like. I mean, you hear horror stories of animals that have like chewed their limbs off, but that's not like the normal. You know, that's not the norm. So we do want to use these in a way. You know, in a way that 
You don't, there's, there's no getting around it. You don't want to just leave your trap out and leave it there for right. a week without checking it so they're right. like dying. You want to do every every ethical thing you can yeah. for the animal, but trapping's just a dirty job. It's right. just gonna that's just all there is to it. So this is a uh, I think it's a number three Sleepy Creek double long spring. And this would this the size trap would be for uh, coyotes and bobcats. Okay. And then we have here Can I hold this? Is this safe yeah, for Yeah, me that's hold? safe, you're good. Okay. Check that out. That's it's intense. I'm not even strong enough to use this. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta like squeeze this thing. Up. Yeah. Wow. And, then, and then you're gonna show us this one here. Right. And so this is the number eleven Sleeper Creek uh, double long spring. So the but, smaller version of that, right? Yeah. It's basically the smaller. So this is what it looks like when it's open. Okay. Yeah. So this one's set already. Okay. And you have, you have a, the parts of this trap are the uh, the dog. Okay. Which is the same thing that we had, but it's just, it's the same purpose. Okay. And then the pan, and the these are called the jaws and the springs. Okay. And so you open it up, and you can see you compress these springs down, and then you flip the dog over one of the jaws, and then you push the pan up, and the pan holds it okay. in place. And so what you'll do is you would bury this. You wouldn't in, want to be panhandling, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so you would, uh... You bury this in the ground and you, you know, put it wherever, you know, the animals are going to be traveling or however you want to do it. Wherever busy foot traffic might be. Basically, yeah. Foot traffic. And so this would be a, this would be trapped for um, nice. a lot smaller stuff. Um, you could probably get coons and stuff with this trap. It's really not, I guess it could take a coon, but um, maybe even smaller stuff. I think like mink would be used for this one. I haven't even uh, used foothold traps but Dusty wanted me to bring them. So I yeah, I mean, it's cool. I'll, I'll bring see it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so the way this works is the animal steps on it and it just traps their foot. And then that's it. Yeah, so these are, these are really aren't, uh, there's not as much power going into these as there is with the conor bear right. traps because what's happening is this spring's compressing and then it just makes it to where these can't open. Yeah, it's so hard to just open that thing. Right, so there's not like a whole lot of force on the animal. Um, in fact, um, Biologists will use this to capture animals, uh, to like uh, for studies and stuff like that. And okay. you can go, you can see videos of them going up and taking this off the animal's foot, and then they just run away. Okay. And so, so usually it's not damaging the animal, but that's kind of the biggest. A lot of people really, as soon as I start talking about trapping, you know, they kinda, they they kind of start squealing, right? Squealing. Yeah. And then we'll just. Uh, yeah. Talk about the friction fire set. Yeah. So uh, you brought us a friction fire set. And actually a little bit later for those, the bonus footage, we're going to actually show you making a fire right. from this kit. Yeah. So stick around for that. So I'll show you how this works really quick. Uh, friction fire. So the, it's called the uh, Bodro method. And the way this works is this spindle fits into this uh, piece here that we've cut the notch out. And it fits into this what's called a bow. It's just like a bow and arrow. But and you made all of this stuff. Right. We're going to show that too. Yeah, yeah. I went and got this stuff yesterday. That's what we were doing at the Salt River. We went and got uh, just a piece of cottonwood, and this is a piece of willow. And so this is a piece of 550 cord I've just tied on. And it goes into the bow like that. It wraps around. And then this goes into the little notch we've made okay and we have our handhold so this is just a rock with a, a a little you know indention in there and once we'll get down and sh show you uh 
with the bonus footage, but you just put your hand here, and then it'll it'll spin. I can't make it spin because usually I have my foot on it. But we'll show that. Yeah, we'll so show you. Yeah. That's that's the idea. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, and then it creates a pile of dust. Um, you can I can smell it just from that one little spin. Yeah, you you can smell it already. But it creates a pile of dust and it ignites it. Um, and it, it, what you'll end up with is a coal, kind of like the uh, end of a cigar when it's Okay. Lit. Yeah, so it'll just be this slow burning coal and then you'll use that to create a fire. That's really cool. Yeah. Awesome, so, man. Mm -hmm. Stick around for that footage at the end because yes, you'll see yeah, it. Don't do it. <laughs> Bless you. Thanks. All right, and then uh, finally you brought us some wild edibles, right? Because yes. you're all in the plants. Right. You brought us some local plants mm -hmm. to Arizona that we can try. Yeah, yeah. These were uh, wild harvested uh, at the Salt River yesterday. How much am I going to hallucinate after I eat these? <laughs> Once the cameras go off, I'll tell you. All right. Sweet. <laughs> it's going to be a weird afternoon. <laughs> we have church today. I know. It's going to be gonna one be spiritual weird. experience. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, y'all want to try it? Yeah. So yeah, what yeah. is this? Tell us so what this, this is, is called this is called goosefoot, and it's uh, in the same genus as uh, spinach and quinoa. You know what okay. quinoa is? Yeah. Yeah. So this plant um, is they call it wild spinach or goosefoot because the leaves can almost look like a goose uh, footprint sometimes. <laughs> And where did you where did you forage this? This was at the Salt River. This was just growing. Okay. So it's just a common weed. Um, there's really nothing uh, out of the ordinary about it. They just grows up. I mean, there's probably some growing up, you know, just all on the block on the in the sidewalk. But it's uh, it's a good uh, edible plant. Bottoms up. Bottoms up. Oh my God, and I've eaten this one. stuff in. I think it, a type of it grows in all fifty mm. states. Okay. So you can pretty much find it everywhere. Doesn't taste much like goose though. Four feet. <laughs> a little more like feet. And yeah. this is unrinsed straight from nature. Perfect. It's good. Tastes like what I had, you know, in a normal like spring mix or yeah. whatever. You know? Yeah, a lot of people uh, don't realize that some of the weeds growing in their garden are just as good and more healthy than the ones that they're trying to grow. So they wow. just pop up. Yeah. And Actually, not that bad. I got a bad one. You got a bad one? Did you? That was a duck foot. That was a goose foot. Yeah, a wild animal pee on yeah. that. It can get a, it can get a little bitter. I've noticed because our soil here is so um, mm. I don't know what dry, just like salty and oh. yeah. Because every other that state I've good. eaten this in, I've it's kind of to me known as being a plant that just always tastes good, even when it gets older. Like most plants, when they get older, they get kind of like tough and bitter. Okay. So this plant, I've always thought of it as a plant that, like, even when it's old, it still tastes really good. But in this state, usually I can find it. Sometimes it's like hit or miss. It could be like really bitter. This is this isn't that bad. It tasted like yeah, like you said. I kind of already taste like there's salt on it. This tastes a little salty. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes if it's a little bitter, you just cook it up and it'll cook it away. I don't and like it's way better. I think it tastes yeah. really good. So I always like to ask on this show. Uh, I want to you know equip dads to lead their uh, household biblically. Mm -hmm. And um, I want to ask you why you think it's important for uh, us as men to, to learn about things, to learn about survival, or at least have an understanding right. of it. Yeah. Um, in today's modern world, survival skills specifically aren't always something that's super important to learn because we know we, know we don't really need them in our daily life, right? But um, beyond that, just like wilderness skills in general, 
um, whether it's edible plants or medicinal plants or learning about animals, I think is important um, because like the dominion mandate, which we're going to get into, um, God commands us to rule over creation, the right. plants, the animals. And I think it's important to know something about plants and animals because you can't rule over something you don't know anything about. Mm, right. Yeah. And so that's, uh, that's important. Survival skills are important if you're, if you're going out and traveling in the back country with your, whether you're going camping or hiking or skiing or you're a biologist or any reason you're going out, um, you should definitely know how to uh, take care and account for your basic needs. You know sure. what I mean? Sure. Um, which in, in today's world, it's just so, we're just so far removed from the way people used to do it. Um, you know, that uh, even the most basic things, like I kind of say like the survival skills are like looking both ways before you cross the street, hmm. but in nature. Like okay. what are those skills? Like don't stick the fork in the uh, light socket, <laughs> okay. you know, so, which yeah. is so obvious. But if you grew up living in the woods your whole life and you come to a house, you might not know. That's good. You know, yeah. you might not know that. I like right. that. And so the, the things that I uh, learn first and foremost uh, when it comes to wilderness survival is just those very basic fundamental don't do this, do this, don't bring this, bring this, you know, stuff. And so that's important. Um, and I, I like to use uh, survival skills as um, kind of an in to get people talking more about other other important issues, right? Like people sure. like to see friction fire. People like to see knives. You know, um, people are interested in that type of stuff. And then I can take that and to get people interested and then maybe start, you know, taking talking about something else like, you know, uh, ec uh, ecological problems or the dominion mandate okay, or other yeah. issues like that right wow yes yeah. yeah get gospel with it yeah yeah so do you have any resources that you would like for someone who's wanting to get uh, started in their local area right um, do you have some resources that you would point them to that sure. you've, you can show us yeah i brought some books today so i tried i mean i probably could have brought like five times more books because i just have so many but i tried to get um, as far as wilderness living skills and survival, I tried to get uh, one book that represented a few, you know, different areas. Yeah. So I tried to, to kind of, you know... Because it's important to learn in an area that somebody lives, would you say, right? right? You want right. to learn about things specific to your, to your area. area. Right, yeah. right. Okay. So I have, I have a few different topics represented. Um, the first one is a, a tracking book. It's called Mammal Tracks and Sign. A That's guy. actually what I'm going to name my next album, Mammal Tracks and Sign. Are you serious, dude? Yeah, I'm going for Sign it. Sign me up. Mammal <laughs> Tracks and Sign, Dusty Marshall and Mark Elbrock. Not the same thing. <laughs> so, uh, Mammal Tracks and Sign is like a super good book. I don't even know where you're going with that. <laughs> How much mammal tracks? I'm trying to wrap tracks. I'm thinking like a flavor of ice cream. Yeah, mammal tracks. I mean, because I'm a mammal, you know, and tracks. I'm wrapping tracks. Oh so dang! Yeah, tracks. you ain't throwing signs though. I'm not throwing signs. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, so mammal tracks and sign, really good book. It's got a whole lot of pictures and I like um, picture books. It'll teach you. I mean, I've never bought another book on tracking because this one's so uh, so good. But if you're interested in any of the trapping stuff we talked about, before you even buy steel traps, you might as well just go buy the book on uh, mammal track and sign because you're going to need that. Okay. Um, Good to know. Probably my one of my favorite books in my library is called The Forager's Harvest by Sam Thayer. So this book is uh, really what gotten me into foraging and a lot of other people. Um, it's more for 
the guy who wrote it lives in, in like the Midwest. I think he lives in like Wisconsin or somewhere in that area. Okay. Um, so mostly Eastern United States is going to be good. Uh, but I like I say it's just for anywhere you live because it it's explains so much about foraging that applies to all plants. Um, just about you know what type of equipment you'll need and food processing and storage, and uh, how to harvest in a responsible way. Um, so going out into the wilderness, grabbing, getting plants, getting what plants. you can actually use. Right. And but the plants it covers uh, are widespread, but the focus is mostly Midwest and Eastern United States. Um, so the Southwest, uh, it's not going to be as nearly as useful, but it's still a good introduction uh, to kind of. Uh, the topic. Okay. Nice, bro. And then we have uh, Bushcraft by Morse Kahansky. Um, it's called Bushcraft Outdoor Skills and Wilderness Survival. And it's not a, it's not a survival book. Uh, the publisher actually went in and changed the title. It was originally titled Far North Bushcraft. And they changed it and added that subtitle, survival, Wilderness Survival. So it's not really a survival book. It's more... Um, it teaches you how to use a, a, a knife properly and safety... Uh, would you about, say would you say that title's a little bush league? <laughs> what? Most people, most people, every time I say bushcraft, they think they're like witchcraft. <laughs> what? And I'm like, guys, this is not the same thing. Doing spells with bushes. So this is yeah, this is how to use uh, bushes in um, your all your magical needs. <laughs> <laughs> Harry Potter read that book actually. Yeah. Yep. So uh, bushcraft, no, but bushcraft is actually, it just refers to um, making things out of uh, wood and uh, using the things in the wilderness to your benefit. Crafting bushes. Crafting, crafting basically. Okay. Nice. And so uh, axe use, knife use, rope work, fire. He has a chapter on uh, moose. This, so this is for this is for the boreal forest, uh, mostly in Canada. A lot of the things are going to apply because he's talking about tool use uh, okay. in a lot of the books. So it's going to apply. But uh, the woods that he specifically mentions are um, northern. Okay. Then we have Desert Survival Skills by David Alloway. Good in Arizona. Yeah, super good um, introduction to, well, really just, if you live in the desert, if I could only have one book on survival, this would probably be it. Oh, wow. Um, okay. He, he definitely is well-researched. So that'd be the book you take. <laughs> right. Well, I'll talk about I'll talk about that with Joy. I said, if you have to take a book out and hoping that if you get in a survival situation, you can just read the book. You've already failed. You're done. Yeah. <laughs> if you're like, I'll you're, you're going to use it to start a fire. Right. You're going <laughs> to use it to wipe your butt and start a fire, and it, you're, you're going to die. So wow. Yeah. So read this before you uh, Eat go the out. Pages. Right. Perfect. That's a really good. Point. Um, so it's a really good intro to survival, and it has um, wilderness living. So he goes past survival into like primitive living. Okay. And what plants you can use, and it's mostly in the Chihuahuan Desert that he uh, is from. Ow. <laughs> and then uh, the last one we have. Medicinal Plants of the American Southwest. Okay. So, uh, really good uh, scientific book. Actually, it's funny because uh, herbal medicine is often kind of thought about as being like folklore and... Like Eastern medicine. Yeah. One time, uh, I had this friend from Africa. Um, I don't remember what country, but I told him I was like interested in like learning about like herbal medicine and stuff, and it's so weird that he... uh, immediately associated herbal medicine with witchcraft whoa hmm. yeah he had no other idea he was like what do you mean herbal medicine like that's what witches do like what do you do practice in witchcraft right. like basically it was like and i was like no bro like this is like real yeah and so it's just kind of funny that herbal medicine in our day is almost looked at as like this mystical you know which um, is weird because all of our medicine comes from a lot of it does yeah 
Yeah, but um, I think for many years, especially here in the West, uh, herbal medicine was is kind of thought of as being like not really um, like not, frowned upon, right? By, like it's almost doc- like the doctors, right? Yeah, <laughs> you're and using so, natural stuff. Just take this pill. It's got yeah. the natural stuff in it, plus all of these things. And I think I think the reason for that is is because there's a lot of people who ascribe powers to plants that they don't have. Right. So you'll you know you'll come up with this excitement like this plant can do this and this and this, and they're going a little bit further than the, what the plant can like really CBD do. Like CBD oil, you can use it for everything. <laughs> oh, I know. People are like <laughs> weed and CBD fiends. Like, everything. It applies to everything. Did I you know. trip and fall? You should try some CBD <laughs> I oil. I know. They'll recommend weed for anxiety and and pain issues and inflammation. I'm like, y'all. There's like that's one plant of millions. Like there's you know, there's so many. Not not millions, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, like there's sure. there's tons more you can use. Probably like the the hallucinogenic properties of some herbs and plants too to have like a spiritual experience they probably connect that instantly too yeah with um, oh yeah eastern medicine uh, herbal yeah. medicine right yeah. so this the reason i like this is because it's a scientific approach you won't get any of that um new age stuff or anything i mean he gives you dosage information phytochemicals that are active uh methods of preparation and how to make those so this is a very good uh, resource for native plants of the southwest all right and then the That's last great. book i saved for last is uh, one I've been reading. It's called A Different Shade of Green, A Biblical Approach to Environmentalism and the Dominion Mandate by mm. Dr. Gordon uh, Wilson. It's a Wilson. New one. That's a new book. Forward by N.D. Wilson. Is he doctor? I think he is. Yeah, I think he's Dr. Gordon I think Wilson. he has a PhD, yeah. right? And so uh, this is a uh, written by a reformed um, Gordon Wilson. He's a reformed... Um, he's a teacher at New St. Andrews, right? Right. right. I think he teaches, uh, biology. He has a biology textbook out as well. Yes. So this is a book about, um, the dominion mandate, environmentalism from a Christian perspective. He talks about, um, how we're commanded in the Bible to rule over the animals and the fish and, uh, how we're, we've been given that and what that means and the implications for that. And then he, he ties it to some practical uh, real world examples. And so it's really good. Um, he talks about some of the uh, imbalances as Christians that we have, you know, uh, dealing sure. with those types of issues. And he tries to, uh, to clear some of it up. So. Which we're going to talk about. Right. Very soon. Absolutely. And uh, also he has uh, him and, and MD Wilson have the riot and the dance out, mm-hmm. which is oh, on Amazon right. Prime, That's so good. which is awesome. And right. it's, it's looking at nature and animals from a biblical worldview from a creation right. stance rather yeah. than millions of years yeah yeah and the thing i like about this book is that it's written in a very easy to understand tone um kind of like if you've read doug wilson he doesn't like use all this like deep theological language at least when i've read him he hasn't and so he talks just like we were talking and it's very yeah very easy to understand and he doesn't it's not like a deep theological study you know um and uh, it's quick, pretty quick read, so awesome. I would recommend it for anyone interested yeah, I want in that, that book. Yeah. Nice. So you've given us some resources, but you're actually working on developing a class as right. well, right? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So uh, the class is not um, it's not in the stages yet where we've released anything, mm-hmm. but it's going to be called uh, Fundamentals of Wilderness Survival. Love it. So uh, basically it's going to, to start with uh, physiology of man and how your body reacts to the heat and cold. Okay. Um, then it's going, going to go into uh, preparing, how to prepare for uh, travel in the wilderness. Uh, and it's all very at practical level. A lot of um, survival books and resources, 
they've almost uh, a lot of times taken it to this level of like you're preparing for something that's might not ever happen. Mm. It's almost, you know, like they go too far to where it almost becomes impractical. So what I'm, okay. what I'm teaching, I'm trying to take it back. Um, I'm trying to get into the science of some of these things, um, a very practical level of how you can uh, prepare uh, whenever you go out camping or go off road far, you know, it's for families. It's for right? families. Yeah. Right, it's right. not for like the, in the guy who wants to go out by himself and live right. and stay like that. It's for practical uses for right. families. Right. It's, it's for, right. And so most, like, <clears throat> I think most survival situations are usually on average from 48 to 72 hours. Right. Okay. And then by then you're either rescued dead. or you're dead. So, right. um, so it's really just surrounding that, uh, is more about preparedness, I would say. Okay. And then mo uh, the first module is a lot about understanding how the human body works under, uh, conditions that are not, you know, wow. heat, heat, heat cold, cold, thirst, uh, hunger, sleep deprivation. And okay. I'm going to jump into some of the science there. And then I'm going to start, you know, uh, we're talking about fire making, okay. uh, knots. Um, so it's still in the beginning stages. Uh, if you want uh, info on that, we don't have anything set up right now to where we've started sending stuff out. But uh, if you email me at getsurvivalinfo at gmail.com, um, you just send me a message or whatever. And I'll put you on the email list so when it does drop, um, you can get those notifications. Do it now, man. That sounds yeah. like it's going to be awesome. It's going to be. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited about it. I think it's yeah. going to be good. I already told you, man. I'm like your target demographic. For Me sure. and my family, like, I will definitely. I'm interested in all of those things. Yeah. So. And it's, it's, it's difficult because originally I wanted it to be just for kids. Um, but then some of the research I was doing, I was like. I was like, adults don't even know. I yeah, mean, seriously. it's a lot of stuff that like, no, I've never heard of I anything. I know nothing. Right. And <laughs> I so nothing. I was like, I can't just make it just for kids. So then I wanted to make it for both. So it was hard to use like vocabulary that kids will understand. So what I'm aiming for is a um, course that parents and kids can go through together cool. where maybe the parent will understand it Bro. and have a good deep knowledge of it and then can break it down to their kids or can um, implement those strategies when they're going out and traveling um, in kind of the backcountry and stuff like that. I, I love it because like it's not I've watched a lot of like survival videos on YouTube and stuff like that and like you said it's just kind of like tutorials it's kind of bland in a sense like it can be fun to watch someone get stung by scorpions or whatever just right. to show you what happens but what I like about what you're doing is you aim to glorify God through it. Yeah absolutely. And like equip families to right. learn and teach and educate their own children Right. and that's that's phenomenal bro that's like there's, there's no one who does that that I've ever seen yeah. on YouTube and yeah. I think that's important man. And that's our goal here too is like we want to provide entertaining content but we also want to equip fathers to lead their families biblically right. so yeah. that goes right along with leading your family and glorifying god right so and, that's and you'd awesome be, uh, you'd be surprised how um practical some of it can be in your everyday life like learning knots for example um some of the knots I'll be teaching, you can use just doing whatever, tying, yeah. tying some stuff to your truck or, sure. you know, or, uh, the same thing with like learning about the physiology. I mean, we live in the desert where it gets 115 degrees and there's not really any escaping that. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, uh, so that stuff could be, you know, it's a lot more practical than you may think. Some of the, um, I think survival TV shows are so sensationalized yes. that they've yeah. removed they've removed a lot of those skills from a how you can use it in a practical way, yeah. you know, and they've made it all drama, yes. which is okay, it's cool, it's inter very entertaining, right. but a lot of it's not really helpful, you know, when you're actually 
out there. If you're know. dropped in the woods for one month. But yeah, naked. We, but right. naked and yeah. afraid. I'm like, <laughs> why would I ever be dropped yeah. in the woods but naked? Yeah. <laughs> Survive. And it's, and it's two people of the opposite sex. Yeah. It's like, come right. on, man. What are you guys doing? That's like my friction fire. I always say, like, friction fire is a cool way to get people interested in survival skills. But, like, what kind of woodsman goes in the woods without a lighter? Like, if you have to use a friction fire, then you've... You're not prepared. Like, there's no person that knows how to make a friction fire that wouldn't go in the woods without a lighter. Right. (laughs) So the only guy who's in the woods without a lighter definitely doesn't know how to use a friction fire. That's for, like, life and death situations, you know? Yeah, yeah. So uh, That's smart. So awesome, man. So you're actually going to... After we do the end our segment, we're going to actually show you creating a friction right. fire yes. from cool. start to finish which is going to be really cool that's for you bonus material people uh if you guys sign up with us and want to support what we're doing we have some cool stuff that we're going to be doing in the future but we'll also show you this man creating a real life friction it's fire gonna be awesome and so. he's going to prepare the tools and everything you're going to go from woods the raw, to wood. raw wood from the woods and show us how to prepare it and then show us how to make a fire. Yep. It's like even like a sneak peek into Matthew's content because he's going to be creating and releasing content soon. So it's like yeah. getting a sneak peek even to what he's right. going to be doing. Like That's awesome. Yep. And we'll put a link to the content, your stuff, yep. when it comes out. will yep. be in the description. Yeah. And but we'll until put... then, uh, get survivalinfo at gmail.com and, um, so that when we do start dropping uh, notifications that you could be the first to. So we've come to a segment in our show that we like to call the Wheel, Wheel of Groom. The wheel of groom goes like this. We're going to have a comp. You're going to spin the wheel. We're going to have a game. And in that game, uh, if you win, you're going to get to take your reformed dad's mug home. And Andrew's going to have to eat three disgusting jelly beans. If you lose, you have to eat the jelly beans. Okay. All right. Yes. So let me get it out. Let's do it. Do it. Do it. Set it up. And you're the guest. You go ahead and spin it. Spin for your fate, bro. Longest spin ever, dude. It's like hypnotizing. Don't look in the center. It's witchcraft. Truth or dare. Dare. All right. Man, put this away. Back in my teenage years, I'm like a little nervous right now. I know. I'm like, I'm not picking truth. Yeah. Truth or dare. Boom. So what's going to happen is I'm going to give you guys each three cards. There's going to be uh, three cards that are truth or dare. Oh, man. And there's going to be three cards that are trivia cards. So right now, let's pick top or bottom. 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 Okay, so you'll be asking each other the bottom question. What happens is this. If you answer the question, if Andrew's asking you the question, if you answer it correctly, you get to ask him a truth uh, question. You get to ask him a truth question. Or dare, so it's and it'll be truth. Okay. If you get it wrong, he is going to ask you a dare. Okay. Okay. Now, if also if you get it wrong, you put your you put one of your truth or dare cards down. The goal of the game is to get rid of your truth or dare cards first. Does that make sense? I'm a little lost, but well, I think okay. I'll follow whenever. Yeah, yeah. you yeah. let me know what's going on. All right. So I'm going to give you each three trivia cards. Okay. Can I look at them now? You sure can. Into the bottom question. Yep, the bottom question. And whoever is youngest asks the first question. 
You can also look at your truth or dares. What are, the, what are these ones? So the truth or dare cards, so if he gets it wrong, you're going to ask any one of your dare cards. Okay. Okay. These are the dare cards. These are the dare cards. And then you get to discard your truth or dare card. If you get it right, you ask him one of your truth questions, anyone you want, okay. and then you put your card down. Make sense? Yeah. All right. So go ahead and pick up your trivia cards. And whoever's who's youngest? Mr. Hunter. Me. Your hunt? Okay. So you ask the first question. It's one of the bottom question. You pick whatever one you want. All right. Which Olsen twin got engaged to the brother of a former French president? Well, I got a 50-50 chance here. A former French president? The brother of a former French president. So he's not really that important. So well, um, maybe he is. I'm going to say Ashley Olsen. Wrong. It was Mary Kate. Mary right. Kate. So you pick up your truth or dare cards now. Uh, also, discard the trivia card that you just asked him. You pick up your truth or dare, and you ask him uh, one of your dares. And I get to pick which one. You get to pick which one, and let's try something that we can... Hopefully, we can see. We'll see. <laughs> we don't and then you get to discard that truth or dare card. We don't know if it's card. family appropriate. That's what you're saying? <laughs> oh, gosh. This says, write a silly phrase on your forehead. Have someone take a pic and post it to Instagram. Perfect. Oh, I wow. just happen to have a pen. <laughs> nice, Dusty. How did you have that? And I have to write it on my forehead? <laughs> write a silly phrase on your forehead. You have to write it on your own forehead, dude. Okay. There you go. Do you have Instagram? I have Instagram, yeah. Nice. Okay. I'm never on it, so no one's really going to see Your wife it. always posts funny stuff of you. Yeah. But this is like, you know. Is it writing? Yep. <laughs> oh my God. Say hashtag thug life. <laughs> Is that what it says? You can't read it at all, bro. Right? Oh, do you have your... Do you have... It's all right. Do you yeah, have your... Do you have your all right. Take picture? a photo. Whew, I'm stinky, dude. And then we'll have to make sure to pat, put, send it to him. Can I just, and we'll show it on Instagram. Can I just do it on Facebook? Yeah. Is that what's fine? Yeah. Thug life. <laughs> can you read it? Kind of? Not really. And then what you'll have to do is you'll have to screenshot that when you post it on Facebook. Just do a little screenshot. Oh, and then I'll put and I'll put like the yeah, actual we'll image it. in here. Okay, okay. Yeah, okay. All right. All right, cool. So you get to discard your truth or dare card now. All right, Andrew, All right. it's your turn. It's my turn. All right, be prepared. All right, I get to do one on the bottom. All right. I think he's going to get every single one of these. Thug life. All right. <laughs> Which singer wants you to call her? Maybe. Oh, man. Oh, he's actually Call helping me, him out. No, I know the song because it plays it where I work. Wait, does it? So call me Maddie. At Big Five, I don't know. That'd be a weird song for yeah. Big Five. It could be like a subliminal. Look, I don't. Thing. I'm not like a pop. Okay. That's why I gave you the hardest one first. These next two, you're gonna know. I'm just gonna say Taylor Swift. No, I didn't think so. Carly Rae Jepsen. I would have never. Right. I don't even know who that so is. I get say, to... now, now you pick a, a, a dare card. Dare card. 
All right, you ready for the dare, bro? Give it to me. All right. Wearing a blindfold, apply your own lipstick. Got you serious, serious, dude. Right got, here. Got Are you this. serious? I'm supposed to be promoting my business. No, no, I need <laughs> lipstick. It's going down for real. Wah, 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 wah. All right, well, don't cover your lips with the blindfold, bro. There we go. We got a pretty pink, pink shade here for you. Let's show. Let's show the camera. Let me see that. That's beautiful. No, no. Oh, you ain't looking at the shade yet, bro, until you put that on your lips. (laughs) (laughs) Then you got to give us a little like. Whose lipstick is this? It's uh, It's, my wife's. She's never used it. You just opened it. Yeah, you're good. What is this? It's a. It's it's a. It's not like a. It's not like a regular. This is a lip gloss. It's like a lip. Paint. Oh, okay. Lip paint. Ooh. There Lip stain. There you go. You've done this before. <laughs> <laughs> you knew that was coming, bro. <laughs> All right. This just didn't turn into reform sads. Yeah. Reform. <laughs> Take dominion right now on them lips. <laughs> Life or death. Number one thing he's taking with him. Yeah, to the desert. He's taking lipstick. Make the animals animals become flocking, bro. All right. Great job. Good job, buddy. I put on chapstick sometimes, so. Yeah. All right. Wow. You get to discard your truth or dare card. I did. All right. Can I take this off? Yes, you can. Now show the camera and just give a little smile and a little lip smack. (laughs) Yeah. And if I can't take this off my head, you can't take that off your mouth. Oh. You got to finish the game out. Finish the game out. All right. It's your turn. You get to trivia card him. All right, dude. You got to ask him your trivia card. Bottom question. What was the name of the company that created the video game Pong? Atari? Okay, that's it. All right. So so you ask him your truth. Oh, are these ones? Yes. And then you get to discard. Okay. You can pick either one. Okay. The game's not going too good for me. (laughs) (laughs) At least I'm not involved. Oh, I know. Maybe, Maybe I shouldn't say that one. Nope. Okay. <laughs> the waitress undercharged your bill. What do you do? Undercharged your bill. Yeah. What do you think? I'm not answering your truth what, question. What do you think? What would any good reform guy do? <laughs> I'm out of there. Uh, no, I would tell her. Yeah, I would have to tell her. Yeah. All right. Course. Okay. Good. You get to discard your truth card now. Alright, and your turn, Matthew. Right. Did I get to discard my first one? Yes. Okay. Oh yeah. And yeah, ask him your trivia card now. What Korean pop song took over the US in twenty twelve? Oh, it was um Gungam Gungam style. Gangnam style. Yeah, you got it. Alright. So you get ask him your last truth and then you are the winner, Andrew. Alright. Oh, I just threw away the I can't ask him the truth on this one. Give me a different one. It's bad. Yeah, let's do a different one. That's a bad card. There you go. This ain't right. Alright. If you were to teach a class, what would you teach? Segway. Boom. That's easy. Easy money. You won, um, dude. You won. I'll probably have to teach uh, how to apply. Lip gloss. <laughs> yes. That's it, man. Andrew, you Techniques. are our winner. I can't believe it. You are our winner. Oh, honestly, Goodness. Thug Life, dude. Thug Life. Thug Life. Hashtag Thug Life. Going on Facebook. Did All you right. post that already? 
No, we'll do that. We'll, I should, we'll show, though. I should. Yeah. We'll show a I'm picture gonna, of you I'm doing that. I'm going to post it. Yeah, yeah. You got to post it. But before that. we do that, the uh, victor, to the victor, no go no spoiled nope. jelly beans. But to the, the loser, we are pulling out our bean boozled. You'll spin three times, and you will have to eat those three jelly beans. So we're going to go with flavors such as coconut or spoiled milk, tutti frutti or stinky socks, peach or barf, birthday cake or dirty dishwater, berry blue or toothpaste, strawberry banana or dead fish, juicy pear or booger, buttered popcorn or rotten egg, and chocolate pudding, canned dog food, or toasted marshmallow and stink bug. At least you don't have to do it with lipstick on. That I don't. Would be really no. terrible. No, yeah, yeah, he does. I'm, I was being. Oh, being, <laughs> oh man, I was like, <laughs> I, I don't. Okay, I was like, no, 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 Dusty. All yeah. right, let's go ahead and spin. And you're either gonna have peach or barf on this first one. It's, I'll take, I'll take peach. Yeah. Well, you, you just, you go ahead and grab one of the peach-looking ones. You could look there. out, bro. Don't, oh, um, yeah. And then you this eat, one. Yep. And then hold it up for us. Show it what it looks like. Jesse lucked out, bro. He got three good flavors. Really? Yeah. I mean, that they're not. We'll see what happens. Take a bite. Peach, dude. Oh, oh man, got oh, peach. That was All tasty. right, spin number two. That was tasty, huh? Really good. That's good. That's fine. Uh, oh, spin again. Try again. Spin again. Try again. All right, either berry, blue, or toothpaste. One of the blue ones. I've eaten the toothpaste before. Yeah, that's toothpaste. not bad, right? Not bad. He's getting off easy. Yeah, you should get it toothpaste. Is, not like he had get Thug that. Life sharpied on his forehead. <laughs> yeah. You should get that after barf. Toothpaste after barf. Barf. With toothpaste. Oh. Mm. Is it a weird toothpaste, though? Your face is kind of... No, it tastes just like toothpaste. Huh. All right. Final spin. Which you always feel like you're not supposed to swallow. Yeah. Alright, either juicy pear or booger, one of the good yeah, ones. Yeah, I want you to get booger, dude. Tooth, yeah. Toothpaste booger? We know you've, you've eaten, had to brush your teeth and then took some boogers. You know how this tastes. We all have. Yeah. We have. <laughs> you got booger, dude. You got booger. <laughs> Booger? It's or definitely booger. Oh, what is that like, dude? It's salty. <laughs> it's salty. Is it kind of nice, then? I mean, I'm curious. I haven't eaten boogers in a long time. <laughs> is that a wilderness survival food? <laughs> <laughs> Extra calories. Yes. All right, man. Well, we appreciate you being such a good sport and coming on. We're going to continue our conversation on the Dominion Mandate after this. Um, but uh, because you were such a good sport, we're going to let you take the mug. Yes. Anyway, so nice. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for coming on. Uh, and as we always say, comb out your beard in the way that it should grow. And when it is long, it will not depart from it. Ooh. Thanks for tuning in with us, guys. This is addition versus submission Sinners need forgiveness Surrender to his lordship Don't extort the grace he's given See I'm blessed by the one Yahweh All day I'm a wretched sinner Deserve hell for all ways I'm